Hello and welcome to Creative Questers. I'm Christina. And I'm Stefka. And today we're going to talk to you about the inner critic. And he's a bastard and he lives in our heads. Well, mine's a she. <laughs> okay, yes. fair enough. She's a fair bitch. enough. She's a bitch. <laughs> so, um, Christina, the way I kind of, I'm not sure I imagine my inner critic as a she or a he, or well, maybe a she, but let me talk about this. In my head, my inner critic is a cat, a really critical cat, kind the of like cats are so sweet. Yeah, well. but this one, this one is a very strict speaking cat. Um, of course it does. It's a bit like Professor McGonagall, but without all the the niceness and with more of the strictness. And she's a bit feistier than McGonagall's too, and she can be quite cool on occasion. And she also hisses and she scratches. A lot. <laughs> yeah. You have to be careful when you're, when you're petting a cat, you have to know when yeah. they're going to turn on you and, and recognize if that's empathy or murder in their eyes. <laughs> oh yes. Oh yes. And I kind of, I think there's, there's hardly any creative person that hasn't felt uh, this, this inner critic personality in their heads or hasn't talked to that person in their heads. I have actually read that, uh, not everyone has an inner critic, which oh. most people I know, I think maybe particularly creative people have this. And it could be partially because when you're pursuing creative pursuits that they're not um, valued the same as oh. non-creative pursuits, you don't get a lot of money for them. And so That's you don't, true. you know, there's not that monetary stamp of approval to let you know that you're doing a good job that that you deserve to be here uh so that could be part of why maybe creative people seem to have a stronger inner critic because you're wondering why you're wasting your time am i <laughs> am i a money. real writer am <laughs> i a real proper writer it's kind of th that thing and that question you it's kind of it relates a lot to the imposter syndrome where you're like am I real is this all fake and you know a lot of people have been talking to me about this and there's there's even this this kind of saying that's going around that uh, if you think you're an imposter you're probably a real writer or artist because that's <laughs> so common as you say among creative types mm -hmm. so yeah and my inner critic personally is quite convinced that I'm not a real writer because I'm not published. I, I only do like, I do like fan fiction and do like my own little things and a lot of stories I write for myself and have like maybe a handful of journalistic um, pieces and articles out there, but nothing really with my name on it or anything that I'm like, oh, I'm so proud I created it, created this. There isn't this this body of text that I would of course ha have if I was a real writer, which you should definitely work on that, but that's another episode, mm, but yeah, that is so true. <laughs> it's, it's hard to get published. It's not something that is really, there's not something that really shows us, especially as doing this as a hobby. It, it's easy to say, I'm not a real writer. I'm not true. making any money. I don't have my name out there. And I do I do have a couple pieces out there now, and that does definitely help. Now I do feel a lot more justified in saying mm -hmm. I'm a writer. And I even got paid for one. Do you know, <laughs> you know how Yay! much money I got? 
Do you know how much? How much? How much? You've told me this, but I cannot remember. Brace yourself. Yeah, I'm bracing. $10. (gasps) Oh my God. So when are you throwing that? When are you doing that yacht party? And yeah, yeah. When's that happening? (laughs) (laughs) But even though it was only $10, it still symbolically means a lot. Yes. It always does. I feel like this is kind of like this first time experience. You're always going to remember that and be like, I can build on this. I can, I, I managed to sell a text and to, to publish something for money. Now I can do it again. And mm-hmm. it's kind of, it works as a tactic to, to, to address your inner critic. Like when she's sitting there and it's like, yeah, nah, you're a fraud. This isn't real. You can just be like, oh, but I have this, this one thing out there and I got paid for it. Look at it. My inner critic is pretty strong, although it's definitely better than it used to be. Uh, I think a big part of that is that I have started researching and one of my friends, Sophie, and I did a few workshops about challenging your inner critic and that really did help. But one thing that's really important to remember as you're working on your inner critic and minimizing the effect that it has, the negative effect that it does have on you is to remember that it's like, it's like working out, Uh you know, it's not something you can just do once and be done. It's something you have to be aware of and be really devoted to, to working on Uh and you've come back to it. That's so true. But do you, do you think that it's better to silence your inner critic or to kind of embrace her and be like, okay, let's talk about this. Well, I don't want to hug my inner critic. <laughs> I'd uh, like to ha- hug a cat. So it's kind of tricky, but this one is a feisty one. So I'm not sure. But <laughs> It is important to recognize that this inner critic actually is trying to protect you. Yeah, that's fair. That's like, it, it is a protection mechanism. It's just that it doesn't really help. It's yes. just, yes, it's, that's the it's problem. Like a, yeah, it's like a, this weird old thing from like ancient times back when we were still um, chasing after, I don't know, dinosaurs or something. So actually, as a bit of research for this episode, I kind of looked up what kind of concepts are floating around there in the psychological sphere, as I like to do. And Freud has something to say about almost everything. So about this, he has this concept of the superego, um, which to overly simplify it has to do with the thought that we ex- internalize external opinions about us. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what's what's happening there. And there's, of course, a lot of this thought which is which Freud is famous for that our parents influence us us a lot but I think it goes deeper than that it's also our friends people around us acquaintances people we work with like everyone around us and it kind of just influences this inner voice so in a way it isn't even us talking to ourselves but everything we've experienced and kind of the 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 melted monstrosity that uh, comes out of that in a way. Yes. And that actually brings me to my, my first point, um, as we did in our last episode, we have 10 ways of, uh, addressing the issue. And this is, um, 10 ways of 
fighting the inner critic. And my very first one is to name your inner critic because that voice in your head is not you. True. Just exactly what you said. It's these external voices that we have internalized and it's, it's in our own voice, but that is not you. And it's something that's learned. Like you said, it could be from a tough parent or a teacher or something like that. And by having a name for that inner critic, it gives distance and it reminds you that's not really me. And uh-huh. so my inner critic, I've named her Felicia. So Felicia. I can say, bye, Felicia, you know. <laughs> um, Sorry to everyone out there who's called Felicia and actually is listening to this and is now like, no. <laughs> but yeah, just to, to have that distance is really helpful. There've been a lot of psychi- psychiatric studies that have found speaking to yourself in third person improves emotional regulation and deescalates emotions. So the next time that inner voice pops up and says something negative, like you're crazy to think that was a good idea. You're stupid, Christina. I might counter that and instead say, mm-hmm. okay, Felicia, chill out. Christina is fine. Christina is not crazy. I just need to be careful to not say it out loud too much because then I'm not mm-hmm. going to be the only one telling myself that I'm crazy. Everyone around me is going to think the same. <laughs> yeah. But, but then as we said, a lot of people relate to this. I think, I think we're always like, we feel like so alone with these mental struggles sometimes and just talking mm-hmm. about it and voicing it can really help because everyone has their demons and everyone fights them. So through that. Yeah, it makes complete sense. Would you like to tell us what your first way of combating the inner critic is? I think the first one that I wrote down, and actually I can connect this to something else. I know I've talked so much about this book to you, but I'm just so in love with it. The Welcome Home, A Guide to Building a Home for Your Soul book. Yeah. I completely adore it. And it's amazing. And um, the author has a lot of really good psychological concepts in there and kind of explains them in a really nice way. And she wraps it into poetic language. And it's just, I don't know, it just gets to me. It's, it's, it's beautifully done. And there's a lot in there, but there's also um, a lot of journaling and meditation exercises. And there's one of them that I, I really love that is to sit down and become friends with your inner critic, which kind of goes back to that, would you embrace your inner critic question I asked you earlier, because it's kind of this thought that if you can love your inner critic, to put it really cheesily, if you can accept your inner critic and feel this, all right, you're this voice in my head that tries to protect me actually, but it's not really helpful. So thanks for trying, I guess. (laughs) You can kind of help yourself there a lot already. So my first tip would be to sit with your inner critic and to maybe even have that discussion and kind of to kind of do the meditation or the journaling, or uh, if you'd rather call it sitting and staring at a wall, that's fine too, I guess. But just allow that voice space and let it ramble and let it tell you everything it wants to say. And then just take that apart. Because most of the time you'll realize that there's no substance to it. 
it's another, it's actually close to another book that I really love, um, which is uh, Big Magic uh, by Elizabeth Gilbert. And yeah. she has this quote in there um, that um, all your fear ever say, says is I'm scared and that is boring. Yes. And that's so true. So, so true. Oh, and that makes me think of that moment in that book where she's talking about that. That is such a good book. Mm-hmm. She's an author too. And so is... Um, my the, the author of Welcome Home, um, who's called uh, Naiva Sivan, and I'm trying and I'm mispronouncing her name. I'm almost certain. I'm quite sorry about that, and I should fix that. But she's amazing, and she has these all these poems online, and I'm I'm so in love. And yeah, I'm a fan girl. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so that does lead into my next point too. Uh-huh. Is is to think about what that voice is trying to protect you from. And by recognizing the motivation, that's one of the first steps to gain control over it. If you can identify, why am I thinking this? What got me started thinking about this? Uh, Then if you can realize, okay, I understand why, why this is a freaky thing. Why Mm -hmm. I understand why you're telling me I can't do this thing, why I'm not good enough, strong enough, smart enough, creative enough, whatever. If you can get to the kind of the root of what that is saving you from, a lot of times it could be even success. You're afraid of success because if like, or for instance, I am having a really hard time finishing my book. Mm-hmm. And I know that a big reason that I am having a hard time is because I don't want to face what happens when I finish it. I don't want to have to go get publishers. I don't want to have to build my author platform. I don't want, Mm. I'm kind of afraid of people reading it. (laughs) Yeah, because that shit is scary. Like everyone's going to judge you and it's going to be so bad, obviously, to kind of quote Felicia here. But if you write it down, like what is what you're actually Mm -hmm. afraid of Mm -hmm. write down what could actually happen if this thing that you're afraid of does happen you can realize that it's really not that big of a deal yeah there are two types of fears one keeps you from dying and one (laughs) one keeps you from trying Mm. oh i love that that great oh yes the reptile brain where the inner critic is it doesn't know the difference and so it's trying to protect you from anything not knowing whether it's actually going to kill you or if it's just (laughs) going to keep you from doing what you want to do yeah and what's worse than kind of sitting there afterwards looking at your life and being like oh i regret not even trying Mm. so Mm. let's not be that Amen. (laughs) All right. Moving on to uh, number three on our list, which is um, use physical activity to shut your inner critic up for an hour or two. And this is um, something I do a lot. I, especially when I'm very, very stressed, I'll forget how good it is to just do some high intensity sport. And I actually... I'll be so tempted to skip classes or to not do because I do CrossFit and I, I'm, I'll be tempted to not do it and not go and just instead kind of sit there, be sad, mull in my own melancholy and yeah, just not address it. And 
then I go, I usually manage to force myself because it's the best feeling in the world when your mind just goes so quiet, when you're just like physically exerting yourself and doing hard physical work. Does it have to be hard physical work? I like yeah. yoga. I know. If, if that helps, I need the hard work to shut my brain up. Have you tried yoga? I have. Mm. It's actually, it's quite nice. And it helps, but I found CrossFit is better for me personally, but I know a lot of people will you take your word for that. <laughs> a lot of people will hate it. It's not a sport for everyone. I know that, but like even, even doing any sports, just even going outside, taking a walk, like mm -hmm. all of that can really, really help. This isn't exactly related to the inner critic, but those days when you're thinking, oh, I don't have time. Uh -huh. I don't have time. I don't have mental space to do CrossFit, to do yoga. That is actually when you need it most. Uh -huh. If I just am stressed out about everything I have to get done, if I can just take a little break and do yoga for like 30 minutes or something, then I'm going to be in a much better mental space Yes. when I oh, come yes. back to finish uh -huh. whatever task I'm trying to work on. True. Uh, my next one, number four, is to defend yourself like you defend a friend. Mm. So take what that voice is saying and think about how you would feel and what you would say mm -hmm. if that voice was saying that to one of your best friends. You would not put up yeah. with that. You would not. Yeah. And you say, that's bullshit. <laughs> can we curse on here? <laughs> it's our podcast. We can do whatever. Oh, okay. I'm good. not sure to be honest, <laughs> but yeah, if you just think about how bad it can be, how, how sad it is that you let yourself speak to yourself this way, that this, if somebody kept on saying to, to your best friend again and again and again, mm -hmm. you're so stupid. You're, you're not, you're not creative. Mm -hmm. You're not a real writer. You know, if somebody kept on saying that to your best friend, if somebody was saying that about you, I'd be like, shut uh -uh. the fuck up. Yeah. And it's the same for me. If someone said that about you, I'd, I'd probably have the same reaction. It's just harder sometimes to defend yourself. It is. And you wouldn't have anything to do with that person. Of course, when it's in your head, it's hard to get away from. Mm. So trying to have that talk though, and just to, just to kind of recognize how toxic that voice can be can be really helpful. And just to try to reframe it, think about what that, what you would say to a good friend that was going through this same struggle and say that to yourself instead of yeah, these hurtful things. Yeah. And, you know, I actually like one, another tip on my list is um, if, if the inner critic gets too loud and too, too evil, just close the door on her just which sounds like it contradicts the first thing I said actually but I feel like sometimes that's just the best thing you can do it's 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 really depending on the day and the situation and if you if you're just having a really down day and you're like ah oh, I cannot deal with this it's fine to just be like shut up Felicia yes and be done with it and that's fine too and if it works it works yes my next one, number five, 
is to stop comparing yourself to others. It's not five though anymore. I've got my numbers all wrong. No, so, no, it's correct. You're right. I think you you're right. Five. I did, did three. Five. Did you do three already? Oh, this is your six. Yeah, this is six. This is six. <laughs> we can't count. <laughs> no, we can't. <laughs> so my next one is to stop comparing yourself to others. And I think as a creative person, well, just in life in general, we have a hard time looking at somebody's writing and thinking or, or looking at somebody's, the way someone looks, anything. We are constantly as humans comparing ourselves to others. And so we might see some piece of writing that is just beautiful. And we'll think, oh God, what's the point of me writing? If I, I'm never gonna be able to write that well. I have a really terrible slash funny example of this where I was looking for places where I could get submitted, where I could get published. I mean, and I found this essay, this person had written about how he felt like he wasn't good enough. And he felt like his work wasn't as good as somebody else's. And, and so he thought he was just going to give up, but the way that he wrote it was so beautiful that I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Why can't I write like that? Oh, I should just give up. All the irony of that. I mean, it's like this crazy loop, but that's just not helpful. You know, think think about one, one thing that you need to think about is that there is only one you. And mm-hmm. you are never going to write. I'm never going to write like that guy. But that's okay because I write the way I write. And, yeah. and that will uh, resonate with a different person, um, maybe the same people, but it's going to have a different, even if we're writing the same topics, it's going to come out in a different voice and different words than, than if you wrote it, than if that guy wrote it. And so the comparison doesn't really do any good. We all have different skill sets, different strengths and weaknesses. So just cut the comparisons. Yes, totally agree with that. 100%. Um, So my next one should be number seven on our list, if I have the numbers correct. Um, And that one is give your inner critic something new to think about. So credit, so gratitude is a big one with uh, being happy in life in general, I think. And that's also true about dealing with your inner critic, I think. You can't just set goals for yourself and then make an actual list of what you accomplished in a way to kind of, that's a way of doing that and addressing them. And actually that helps me a lot. Like we're, we're just past um, halftime in this year. And I've done that uh, in the recent days and kind of checked my list that I wrote at the beginning of the year um, about the things that I wanted to accomplish this year and what I wanted to do with my year. And just looking at it and kind of reflecting on how much has happened these past six months was amazing. And like even, even if you're like writing down things and you can't quite achieve them and your goals are too big and you're just you can't quite get there that's fine too because then you can still realize oh I'm in a different place than I was uh, half a year ago or maybe you'll realize don't don't actually matter to you anymore and you realize what you actually um 
looking for and what you want to do. And we've just, we're just as people, we forget so often how far we've already come and to be grateful for that and to, to pat ourselves on the shoulder a little for that. Mm-hmm. So we should do that all collectively. Right. Pat yourselves <laughs> on the shoulder. <laughs> Definitely. My last one. So we are really, really terrible with numbers because this should be number nine. <laughs> um, so my next one, it sounds weird. A lot of these sound weird, but is to write a letter to your inner critic. And it uses a lot of these same things that we've talked about is to like, I like to say, dear Felicia, and think about what she is trying to protect me from. And, and to just write a letter to say, look, I realize that you're trying to protect me from finishing my book because I'm afraid of, because you're afraid that I'm going to fail. You're afraid that people are going to laugh at me, whatever. Write this down, what all these fears that she's trying to protect you from, and then say, thank you. Thank you. I understand why you're doing this, but in order for me to move forward, in in order for me to be successful as a writer, I need you to step aside and I need you to let me do this. These fears are unfounded. These maybe not say they're unfounded because there's actually, there is some actual merit, some reason why these fears are there. So just to say, look, I accept my, I accept the responsibility and I'm going to do this. Have you ever done one? And I've, I've, I've done the letter writing. I think I've done this before, but I, I'm not sure I quite addressed my inner critic because in my head, I just went, dear, not McGonagall. And I'm pretty sure I've never written that down. So <laughs> not quite sure, but you know, talking about the voices in our head, which sounds worse now that I'm sounding it out loud, <laughs> like, oh God, but Um, This is actually the last thing that is on my list and that concludes our tips for today. Um, I think there's this other voice in my head as well. And I like to call her um, my inner nurturer. Mm. And she's that good voice and she's helpful and she isn't always that loud. But if you give her space, she'll make a lot of sense. And it's kind of the one that goes, we're right let's just rest a bit. Let's calm down. We're strong enough to do this. We've got this and just create space for that voice because then a critic takes up so much and we often forget there's other parts of ourselves and we, we have this, we do, we have like that, that good nurturer inside us as well. And yeah, maybe even more than one voice and kind of you could create space for all of them and have this whole self-caring committee if you want <laughs> and if you can. And yeah, kind of just learn to be your own strongest supporter. Mm-hmm. And I know that's quite hard in the beginning, but like you said before, maybe imagine some good friends in your life mm-hmm. telling you this, telling you you've got this. Or even like fictional characters, you know, if you have like a favorite fictional character that has like a really nice quote, um, that's great. And I, I have like, you, you've seen, um, uh, dead poets to society, right? Because I feel like, ago. 
everyone has seen that movie at some point but there is there is a moment where john keating played by the wonderful robin williams says no matter what anybody else tells you words and ideas can change the world Mm. and that's true yes so we've gotten to the end of our lists should we go back and recap with the right numbers this time. Oh, yes. Let's do a quick recap. All right. You start because you had number one. I did start. So number one was naming your inner critic and speaking to yourself in third person. Right. Number two was sit with your inner critic and have that discussion. Number three was think about what that voice is trying to protect you from. Number four was use physical activity to shut your inner critic up for an hour or two. Number five is to defend yourself like you defend a friend. Number six is to close the door on your inner critic if he or she gets particularly vile. Number seven is to stop comparing yourself to others. Number eight is give your inner critic something new to think about. Number nine is to write a letter to your inner critic. And finally, number 10 is allow space for your inner nurturer and be good to yourself. Yeah, you've only got one you. Yeah. So on that note, thanks everyone for listening and tuning in today and sharing a bit of time with us. And we'll hope to, well, not see you next time, but catch you next time. Virtually seeing you. Listening. No, we're not listening. Hopefully you're listening to us. And if you like us, if you like what you hear, give us a like on whatever platform you're doing. Or if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you might shoot us a quick message. Um, we're probably going to put an email somewhere in the show notes where you can reach us. And probably. Maybe. Probably. Maybe. Hopefully. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. Thanks, everyone. And Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye-bye.